Hi, I'm Susie Wilson, and this is my podcast, Radical Consciousness and Cleansing, a mystical sojourn through the ancient healing of cleansing from then till now. This podcast is going to take us on a journey of our mind, our body, and our spirit, delving into the depths of what does it mean to cleanse, how we reclaim our health physically, spiritually, and emotionally, so that we can live life to our fullest. Welcome to 2023, listeners. Wow, it's already February. I've had the intention to have uh, these recordings done a month ago. And January has gone. It's come and gone. Um, 2022 is now a blur. It's uh, now I'm sitting here and thinking, where are we going this year? What does radical consciousness and cleansing, what are we looking to share what do we need to share not to do so much but to be to to have information for contemplation because i think in our busy world and our busy lives we are all being we are being busy um whether it's in our mind or in our action so i think what i really want to share with people this year in radical consciousness and cleansing is One of the most important things about um, cleansing, in fact, is to be able to be at some type of peace, to have some type of stillness within because it's um, there's no point in us doing everything else well if if we have a constant dialogue going through our mind that's causing us to hop in a place of stress and a place of um, anxiety, if you like, where we can't, we can't move forward because we've got constant stories dragging us back. So here I am thinking about 2022 in my journey, and I guess I see my life as before C and after C, and that's before cancer and after cancer, not before and after COVID, although those two things for me were parallel. They were happening at the same time. So in the last year, it's really been about building strength. And you've heard some of my podcasts in 2022 talking about some of the modalities that I use to try and heal because I see that we are a multidimensional being. I know that without a doubt in my mind. And so for us to heal, we have to hop in a place of understanding that we've got to do that from our emotional, spiritual, physical level. And that requires that we look outside of mainstream and we know that mainstream know this as well because they don't have answers for everything. They will, they can only give us the answers within the paradigm that they sit. And sometimes that doesn't do well with us. Sometimes that doesn't help us get where we need to be and leaves us sometimes and often questioning and thinking, is this the way I've got to feel for the rest of my time? And to be honest with you, that's a little bit where I've been in the last couple of months. And even I haven't done my water fast, so this <laughs> this podcast is a little bit like a um, a confession, a confession of what I haven't done. But I didn't get to do my water fast in January, and again, I could give lots of reasons for that. I can I can intellectualize that, but I think really at the end of the day, it's about I was in a place of having to sit. I I couldn't move. It, it's such an interesting place to be in. And one of the realisations that came to me last year, um, and it was in fact a tattoo I had, I've never had tattoos in my life and now with something nearly 60, I'm um, getting tattoos. I find it interesting. Life's interesting, right? And, and so I've been thinking about 
you know, like what what my journey has been. And it's very much about body's wisdom and spirit's journey and how those two how those two parallels come together. And for me, it was um, looking at that, it's like, okay, well, you know, this is, you know, people say, well, it's your spiritual journey and universal trust and all those things. And I have to say that every day I remind myself not to question universal timing. Universal timing is uh, is sacred. It's something that I don't question and will never again question because the timing of me um having the experience with cancer was was perfect, was so perfect. And the things that came into play around that was so perfect for my healing. And that's how I chose to see it, I guess. So that's was what I saw and they were the opportunities that I saw because that was the way I was looking at it all. But then we also have body's wisdom. And I can't we can we we have a physical body. We can't just say that we want to live in this spiritual space. It just doesn't really work. It's like Maybe it does, um, but for me it doesn't because I, I don't have the opportunity to sit on a hill or in a cave or to spend hours and days long in deep contemplation. Although I have to say maybe January I did a little bit of that. Um, I don't feel like I had energy to too much. I took all my energy to go down to the yoga studio and do my yoga. It was a very, very still month. So maybe maybe it's about how we frame that, right? Maybe that's just, again, another story I've got to make sense of the world that I live in. And no matter what healing journey you're on out there, no matter what you're doing, you're going to have to find a story to make sense of where you are at and right now, whether that's a story of an autoimmune, a cancer, uh, an emotional trauma, whatever it is, we're constantly trying to find ways to make sense of that. We're trying to make sense of what is going on. So it's about really navigating, isn't it? Like navigating our life um, of change from a place of peace though. And I think that if we look at the world in the big picture, we're looking at the world and we're navigating change in the world but it's come historically anyway. Changes come from a lot of pain, of trauma, or of war, of angst, of poverty. And whilst we need to have an uncomfortability, we definitely uh, change doesn't happen without comfortable uncomfortability. Um, humans are wired to go and be near comfort. I mean, I think that's how we survive if we put our hand on a hot plate and didn't realise that that was uncomfortable, we wouldn't take it off. We would end up with third-degree burns. So there's definitely a survival mechanism of why that is so. But when we're looking at this day and age of the Western world, if I can say, in the Western, I guess, middle-class world, yeah, middle and upper class, if we want to put it into that way of thinking, we end up getting very comfortable we don't have to worry about the food on our table. We don't have to worry about making sure the rent gets paid. We don't. We know where we're going to sleep tonight. So we're living in a place of comfortability. We have that. And it's not until that's taken away from us that we start to look at our story differently. Um, we start to look at, well, what? And even maybe asking, what is my story? What is my contribution? What is it about on this earth walk? And if I need to be getting healing, what type of radical consciousness do I need to even see that? And I and we talk about it as radical consciousness because we do have to step out of that comfortability. We have to step out of that 
what we know as our world, as our normal. And there's people that hold on to that. So what's that word? Vehemently, like so tightly that they hold on and hold on to a story that they picked up 20, 40 years ago and they still believe that's a true story. They live that story as though it's happening right now. How do we ever shift from that? How do we shift from that? And if that story is that story hurting others around of us that we might care about or that may care for us, but we're holding on to a story so so entrenched in our psyche that we believe it to be true and we carry it 40 years on, even though so many things have changed. And I think that's where the radical consciousness comes in, actually. I think that's where we have to look at, and people talk about our shadow side and talk about working with our shadow side, and I talk about that. And and even when I was diagnosed with cancer, it was very much about it wasn't cancer, it was change, and I didn't want to fight that. I wanted to navigate that journey with peace. So I, I bought that cancer in. That was my shadow self, and I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to get to understand her. What was she not hearing? In what way wasn't she being heard? What did she need to say? What was her story that had been trampled down for all of my life, for all of all of the lives that we've lived? So it's been an interesting process for me in this month of January, looking at where are we going forward, how am I going forward, and how can I support others or give give people moments of contemplation or something to contemplate so that maybe they can think about their story differently because that's that's where the change happens. And I guess for me in January it was that place of, of deep contemplation for me and physically, you know, this is my body's wisdom. Like I, I've admitted before that I'm work addicted. It's something that I've been dealing with uh, since um, having to change everything up in 2020. And it was interesting last year because I was getting back into that whole, you know, like you're just constantly on the go. I got a stupid fine for driving in my car with the phone on. Like it just heralded back to what my life was like. It was like my head was so full I had to get on and I had to talk to people straight away before something else come in and I forgot about that. So you get into that zone, you know, and you've got like your 50 tabs open, you're you're, you're thinking about visualising this, you're visioning this, you're doing this, you know, like life is is cramped and there's an adrenaline rush to that. There's a a feel-good thing with that, um, which is why we do it, obviously otherwise we wouldn't be doing it so that was my place of comfort and then it come to last year and my energy again just declining 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 and I'm going what the hell like I'm doing everything that I can be doing to support my adrenals were crushed because of the treatment that I'd been on and and I actually think before then my adrenals were crushed I think that maybe I got sick because I was already in such a mess however here I was at this point again and then it comes to January and I'm thinking and I hear people talking to me about, you know, you you inspire me. I have people come and say that you're such an inspiration. And I was told that a few times in January as well by different people. And I find that interesting. And then, again, something to I contemplate because I think, how? <laughs> how? Because if you really knew my life, it wouldn't be inspiring, I don't think. It's a hard life. It's tricky. You've got to get up with yourself every day. There's no one else there. There's no one else to blame or or or, or talk about stuff with or or process things with, if you like. My life has been a very solitary one. It's uh it's it's not it's been a tricky one. So when people say, 
and something that I I feel blessed for. I'm not being negative with that in any way. It just sort of makes me think, you know, like, really? Really I inspire you? How do I do that? How does that really happen? What's the inspirational factor? And that takes me on a journey. It's like, well, what who inspires me? Who who do I feel inspired by? And I guess for me, it's like in the last year, because of the work that I was doing with Grandmother Malara, the people that inspired me are, in fact, my old great aunts, my great grandmothers, the the women that come to this country after the invasion and had to try and make their life here. And they made their, they were, it was hard, man. They, they were living out the bush and, you know, cutting the tracks to even get to the place where they lived and so very poor. And, and like many of women in those days, and I'm talking the late 1800s, middle 1800s, I guess, up until even my mum's era in the early 1900s, it, it was a tough time where they had to forge out their way forward. So my inspiration, I guess, does come from them. Um, a lot of the pain and trauma that I carry comes from them as well. So that might mean we close down our heart because we, we get too tough, you know. So if we think about that inspiration and if I think about that inspiration, it's like, what is what is it that people uh, are feeling and, and how do I pick that up again if, if that's something that I do because it's something that I haven't never consciously done. But the question I want to ask back to you, dear listener, is how do you inspire others? Whether it, And that could be your children. How do you inspire your children? How do you inspire your parents? You know, I remember my mum when I was getting into my alternate field of medicine and with colon hydrotherapy and gut health, my mum was so, like, inspired, I think, and she would often say to me, I wish I had have done this, Susan. You know, like that was her thing. Like she was very much into herbs and the botanicals and the plants and, and the healing the healing components of plants. That was what my mum did. We hated as kids, mind you, because she would make us drink these disgusting potions. Um, we never went to a doctor, which some of our siblings might complain about, but for me it's given me a whole, this has been the basis of my learning for where I've gone in the last 20 years. So we fall back to that, you know. So, again, I guess in that sense my mum is even that inspiration that, and in some ways maybe I'm just, this has just come into my mind now, but maybe some of the work that I do is in legacy for her because she didn't get that opportunity. She didn't have the ability to have access to what I had access to in my life, as my grandchildren will have access to more things than what I had access to. You know, like I remember and I talk about like when I went to uni, we went to a library and we looked up those little Rifidex things. Like we didn't have Google to go on. Like I, I speak to my granddaughter now and she's, I'll just Google that nanny. You know, like Google is an answer for everything and you have access to so much information now. So that, I guess, is inspiring itself. But what inspires you and what is going to inspire you for 2023 to, to live the best version of you, whatever that is? And that might mean, you know, a really good mum or a good nanny or a good sister or, a, you know, a supportive sister or a supportive brother. Like what are you actually going to do to inspire yourself? How is that going to come back into you? Because it's all about reciprocity, right? Like, and that's the other thing about healing and radical consciousness is that we find relationships where it's reciprocal. Because if we're constantly giving out, then how, where do we get fed? 
Where do we get fed? How do we get our energy resource back in? And if we see ourselves as an energy body, so we're made up of energy, um, we're made up of water, we're made up of salt. I mean, that's really what we are. That's what we are. So if we are constantly giving our energy out, how do we actually fill that cup back up again? How is that being filled up? And and you will listen to past podcasts of mine of that that was something that I wasn't doing because of the work that I was in. And that's not an excuse. That was my choice that I can take responsibility for. So now I'm choosing to do that differently. And last year it was a lot about bringing in therapies to help me fill up, to help me move forward, to help me make sense of what's going on. So maybe I continue to be an inspiration if no one else, but for my family, for my daughter and my granddaughters and the grandchildren that may come. So dealing with this last year is learning how and this quietness that came over me in January was building up at the end of last year, but this quietness coming over me to start to really come into this new body. How does this new body work? And who is this new body? You know, last year I went through a whole process of name change. I was, I'm so, I was, and I need to say I am because it's current, is that I'm so aware that cancer comes back. This is not a one-ticket ride. It's not like you get healed and it never comes back. Um, And for some it does, which is awesome. For many it does does come back. Um, And the statistics on that of high that I've talked about before. So my teachings and my own understandings is that, okay, well, I need to do something different. I I have to resonate a different energy in this body for that disease not to be welcomed back into my body. And we know that chemotherapy kills all the cancer around the cells without issue. We did that. But inside the cells, it doesn't get there. It actually doesn't do it. So you can still have that inside your cells. It's ready to express when they've got the right conditions. So, again, it's like, okay, well, what do I need to change up my whole vibration? So going through all the healings and looking at all the emotions and the emotional story that my body was still carrying that I needed to release and and maybe be aware of. Maybe I wasn't aware of some. But one of those things was even changing my name, changing my name so it has the right vibration. So I actually went to a lady that specialised in this and had done for all of her life and um, uh, an amazing lady on the Gold Coast actually but worked all over the world and doing numerology and Akashic Records and all of those things if you get into that and uh, found uh, a name um, that in fact, without freaking people out, but it come from a past life. Um, and those things that stepped in the vibration that I now want to walk in, the vibration that I now want to walk in of, mm, I can hear my old teacher saying in the background of pure love, because really if we can't sink into our heart space and walk in our life from this place, what else is there? Because all I witness in other people when we don't walk from this place is resentment, is bitterness, is hatred, is blame, is other. It's all opposite to where we need to be, which is with about in. It's about we come within, we come within our dot of ourself. We come into our heart, we come into our connection. We come into our understanding that we're one of many that we are connected to many, that it's not a place of of separateness, that we are connected. So when we come back in and we want to do what we want to do and we want to live in that vibration, what does that look and feel like? So now I've got this body working in this way, 
How do I want to continue to nurture it? Because remember that thought precedes form. So if I'm going to be thinking, and this harks back to all of our whole manifestation tools that people talk about and, and you know, the, the repeated mantras and all those things, but, you know, truly, really, if we want to sit in that manifestation of uh, creating something so very different to where we have been because we want to start to take ownership for our own life, that's not always easy. Because in doing that, we we have to remove vibrations that are no longer serving us. We have to remove those those sometimes people from our life that are no longer serving us. And that in itself is not uh, an easy thing to do, not when they've been part of your life for so long potentially. So how do we start to find our space again? How do we start to sit? And this has been my contemplation in January. Well, if I've been an inspiration of people in the past, how do I how do I move forward with this to be an inspiration to myself and now to my family? Um, because really it's probably all there is. That's where it all needs to start from. And and whatever flows out or waves out from there, I guess, is uh is a bonus, is something that is that I can then offer the world in a way of healing, of healing love, particularly now when people are so much in fear. Like we talk to people all the day and their language is so fear-based, getting ready for the worst to happen. And I guess I can hear some of you saying, well, we have to be prepared. It's like the saying, who did I hear say this? I don't think it was Muji, but someone of that um, elk, and it was about um, dark only breeds more darkness. Darkness only breeds more darkness. We don't want that. We can't fight. Fighting the darkness breeds more darkness. We actually need to uh, walk forward in the space of love. We need to walk forward in the space of joy because that is the emotion, that is the energy and the vibration that we want to see in the world. You know, the older days, the old saying about treat others as you want to treat yourself. Well, here we go. I want I want to be treated with that pure love. And I don't mean love in the romantic sense, of course. I'm talking about the pure love, the consciousness of love, the, the love that pervades that feeling of peacefulness, of completeness, of oneness, of of happiness, of joy, of of abundance, of knowingness, of remembering. These are the things that we want to walk for. These are the things that we want to share in the world. We don't want to walk in the other because then we're just going to breed more of that if we believe that thought precedes form. Um, we want to come back to this and we want to understand that as a water body, we we don't have form. You know, water doesn't have form until you put it into a river and it makes its form in that river until it moves to a different form. Well, that's in fact our body. We are water and we're in this form now. But what about when we change and we go from this river down to the next river or from this river into the ocean? That form now becomes formless and changes depending on the container that it's been held within, you know, and that's us. That's us as we meander through this life and this journey. What is it? What does our next form look like? And this has been my contemplation about, well, who is this new Susie? What is this form that she's in and where is she going? How is she moving forward? And and what does that look like? And does she actually have a say in that? 
Or is this something now she's surrendering to and this is unfolding? Because another part of that is, in fact, really interesting is how in the last month of this stillness has come a whole lot of action. So the more you sit still, the more action happens. And this is what we have. This is another paradigm shift, really, because we have this whole saying that if you're not seen as being active, you're lazy. I was definitely raised in that with the Protestant work ethic. It's like, no, you're lazy if you don't get up and do something every day. Get up and make your bed and do this and do that and do that. It's like, wait there. I can't do that today. <laughs> I actually can't. I'm going to get up and I might drink some water and that might be that might be a bonus for me today because that is where I'm at. This but this as I have just experienced again and and again this was my initial experience when I was become unwell because I couldn't move. And I really in in January because of my health again, I think I just didn't have the physical energy there to get up so I had to sit still. And I believe this is the universe or the conscious, whatever you want to call it, in my word, spirit, telling me you need to sit still and let this unfold. You've done a lot of work. So I'm talking particularly around my business now, 20 years of work, you've put in a really strong foundation. So let other things unfold now. Let other things come into play and let other people come to you. Be that light and let those moths uh, come around you and see what they have to offer you and your business, and your way forward. And it's just been incredible to observe how this is unfolding. And it's even like taking me until now to be able to start to write some of this and make sense of some of this and and to want to be able to share this because I'm hoping, um, and it may not, it may bore you, but I'm hoping that it, there's something in it that's going to resonate and you're going to go, Oh, yeah, okay, well, that's me too. Maybe today I don't need to actually get up and be busy. Maybe true action now comes in some stillness, some space to let stuff drop in. So, you know, it's like even when we go and meditate or we try and journal and, you know, if that's, you know, if if you're doing that from your head space, that's very much a thinking process. So you still haven't dropped down and surrendered into the body process, the feeling process, the heart process. And I guess that's what yoga teaches us, right? Like yoga is in the asanas, it's telling you to drop into your body. So people in yoga get so caught up on making sure they get their pose right and big pose and, you know, listening and thinking from their head and, oh, my God, I'm not doing this or I should do this or put that arm over there, whereas, in fact, it really should be going into a pose and going, oh, this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like. So, again, this is our life, you know, dropping into our body. This is what we want to do is we want to understand the body's wisdom so that we can drop in and feel the body's wisdom so then we've got space to hear the spirit's wisdom, the spirit's journey, or allow spirit's journey to continue. You know, it's like we have to bring those body's wisdom and spirit's journey together. We have to both give them space to travel down this this river of life, if you like, that we're in, in this form, in these banks that we are, that we call our body, which is a a container of electricity, it's a container of water, it's a container of sunlight, it's a container of salt, it's a container of mysticism, of magicness, of of mystery. Um, mystery. We, we, we listen to quantum physics and mechanics these days and I've been listening to quantum biology and 
you know, quantum quantum physics is out because it's all the things that science can't explain. That's what I think about it. You know, all of the all of the theories that Albert Einstein couldn't make sense of. It's like quantum physics talks about all that, and we're trying to make sense of that. And and to me, that's a consciousness. You know, that's a consciousness of knowing that there's more to this life than what we are seeing than our physical being. So it's it's interesting, isn't it? We've been down, I've been down this journey and I've been down this journey for the last couple of years, down this really un- uncovering and unfolding about what where am I at now? What is actually going on? And and at the end of the day, what does it all really mean? And what does it look like? And and this has been my big thing this year. Oh, another self-disclosure is that I turned 60 this year. 60. It's like, what the hell? How the hell did that happen? Like here I am in my 59th year, my 60th year walking on this earth walk. What have I got to show for that? What have I got? Like physically I actually don't really have anything. I I, I have a rented apartment. I have a basic car. What have I got, you know, if we look at it in those material forms? So it's come and and when you are unwell and you get the opportunity to sit in that place of very much of an unwellness and no matter what I had, it couldn't have made me better. It makes it very humble and think and you start to think differently about, well, what what have you got? Where have you got? And I guess you come back to, well, it's your family and and then what parts of your family have you got? Because family that you thought you might have had, you actually don't have. So that takes you on another journey as well. So then we come back into a well, here I am for 60 years and and people <laughs> I used to say to this my clients, I'd be working with my clients and they'd be talking about they're turning 50 or they're turning 60. And I'd say, ah, that's just a number. It's got nothing to do with it. And it's like, yeah, you know what? It actually does. And I apologize to all of my clients. I apologize to all of my clients that I've ever said that to because I wasn't listening to you. I actually wasn't listening to what you were saying. And this is something that I'd ask you all to contemplate on if you're younger and you say that to clients about it's just a number. And there's an element of truth in that, of course, it's just a number. Um, and we can make that number what it is. But there's a whole lot of other stuff around there. There's a the, the real term of that is I am 60. Even if I live to 100, I'm more than halfway. I'm on the down, downhill run. And on the downhill run means it goes faster because <laughs> going downhill is always faster. There can be more tumbles as you go down as well because, you know, to keep keep a balance as you're going down a fast hill, it's not always easy. Sometimes we actually go head first. So this is like such a learning in itself, isn't it? It's like, wow, here I am coming down the other side. What am I doing? Am I going to go really fast? Am I going to try and go with my head first? Is that what's going to happen? Or is this now the place that people talk about of wisdom and of eldership and leadership? And this is where we do need to sit in that stillness because if we sit and be are very grounded to the earth, our feet are planted firmly on the earth, then, of course, we can make our way down the hill step by step. We don't let the momentum of the hill take us over. And if you've ever walked down a big mountain, I don't know if you're like me, but there's moments where it's like I can go, should I just run and try and keep up with the the momentum of running down the mountain or can I actually just try and really go slow and put one foot in the ground at a time? So now that I'm coming into 60, it's like, okay, here I am. I'm going to need to go one step at a time because I don't want these next lot of years to go fast. I want them to go consciously. I want to be actually conscious of every um, action that I'm taking. 
to be with the people that I spend time with. I don't want to spend time with people if I'm not going to be um, fed, engaged in the conversation that 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 it also feeds me. And that's not um, negating other people's journeys and stories and what that they, they will go. And this is what we talk about in finding our tribe, right? Finding the people that we resonate with. And how do you do that if you've been a person like me that's been so work addicted and gone through life and 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 you don't have a big resource of people out there? You have you know a lot of people. We have a lot of people. But as in the close circle, there's only ever a few, right? And you hear people talk about that all the time. So now as I'm on this journey and coming towards the 60 mark, what does radical conscience and cleansing look like in that place? How does that look? How does that work? And is it, you know, how do we not reverse aging? We can't reverse it. We can't go backwards. And who would want to? I, I, I don't want to go back to those times, to be honest. They were tough and once is enough in this lifetime to do that. But how do I want to move forward now? How do I want to age well? Because when we're at this stage, it's like, how do I want to die? That's what I think about without sounding morbid. How do I want to die? What would what would be my most biggest my most biggest wish or my most biggest prayer? My biggest prayer is that I'm just going to pass one night when I'm asleep. Well, I want to be well when I pass. I want to pass at home. And we don't even have that conversation, do we? Because we're too scared to talk about death. It's like, oh, no, we don't talk about death because... It's the unknown. We've been indoctrinated to think that maybe we're going to go to hell or something and, and it's going to be nasty and all of those things that can go on. And for someone in my world, I, I just don't get that. I, and I've never got that from childhood. I remember my mother talking about that with us as a child, um, trying to put that fear into us. And, and my brain would always just go to, but if there was a God that created us, why would he want us to put us through pain? Like, where did he ever get so rigid from? Like, that just makes no sense. That just makes no sense. And, in fact, if we want to look at that pain, we've got that here on earth. We've got that pain here on earth. Why do we want to go somewhere else for that? So it's about uncovering what our our hidden stories are about about death as well and what we see is happening next. And for some it might be nothing. It might be that we just die and we're dead and that's it because this is all there is. And I respect that a thousand percent as well. Um, For me, I've had another little bit of a journey. I have had what some might call a near-death experience and I have seen my spirit leave my body and I have looked at my body and I have experienced that lightness, if you like, that freedom and and. Uh, and, man, I look forward to that when it's my time again. And I want to now do that well. So my my, my wish and my, my journey forward and my unraveling in this stillness, this radical consciousness, is that how do we now get ready to pass when we're on this downhill trajectory of, of life? Because we're basically, well, if we've got to 50, we, 51, you're coming down the other side even if you live to 100. So I think that changes our focus a little bit, right? That changes our our consciousness about, well, how then do we want to move forward? What do we want to make sense of? How do we want to live each day consciously, sharing the love that we might want to share? And I know that when I say that, I always hear myself say that, sharing the love, and it sounds a bit wanky, you know. It's like, is that like overused? And I think that it has been overused and um 
But I think if we let that land on us and know that it is from a place of that pureness light, that we respect, it comes from respect, right? We have to respect the person that stands in front of that in front of us and respect even the story that others tell, even if we don't agree with that story. It's about respecting that story, but we don't have to choose to stay in that energy. And that's that's quite a defining point, people. Like don't don't think that uh you have to take on board all of those stories if they're not for you in being able to respect someone. But it's about respecting that space, that story, that journey of that other and knowing that that no longer is our story. So we can choose to step out of that. Uh, so it's it's um, it's a place where we have uh, true ownership within ourselves, true ownership. We can come into ourselves and go, okay, and I guess now we're hearing the word sovereignty, our own sovereignty, to walk on this earth wherever you are, to walk on this earth and take ownership of, of every step that you take, not not blaming another for where you are at right now. And and that's hard, I know, if you're dealing with a lot of trauma or a lot of what you might believe is, you know, things happening to you unfairly or unjustly um, in your life by others. I know that's a tricky place to be, but while you are continually putting them, others responsible for your life, you're giving away your power. You now have given them your power again. And we often see this in relationships where women have left men and and I and and uh, in relationships and they're still angry with that man twenty years down the track. It's like wait there, you still he still got control of you. And I'm just using that as a very simple example. There's many, so it's like when we start to take ownership and we go within, we go within ourselves and go, okay, I've got complete responsibility. What do I choose to look at? What do I choose to give love to? What do I choose to respect? How do I choose to make sense of this story now that has pervaded my life for a long time that no longer serves me? How do I now hop into this Susie place, this place of Susie Maruhi Ra Wilson? How do I hop into her and live from how she would live, being the water medicine woman that she is, being the heartfelt person that she is, being the person that wants justice from a place of love and believes that everyone's story is worthy of being heard, everyone's story... Um, has a right of respect and I mean that from from the bottom of my heart so how do I live that how do I live that every day with myself not even with other people yet but just with myself how do I live that and how do I move forward in that knowing that I've got my business over here and bottoms up and that's doing work that it's doing and as I say to many people I've been a custodian of that like that that name and that business model came to me it's not something that I didn't know business I I had no idea about business as some of my history would show you because of the decisions I've made but I was working from my heart I was working this just has to happen I have to get this out and and that's the other thing it's like this drive you know and it's having this consciousness again in January it's about like well where did this drive come from for me to get out of bed every day and do this work even when I wasn't being um, filled from it financially um, it wasn't something that was giving back to me at all from the decisions that I was making but I could have easily went no I'm done here and and you know from what some people said to me you just need to go get a job it's like no what I've got to do this, but what was it? What was actually driving me to get up every day to continue on this path 
having this vision and it was in this last month that it's like I saw this like 20 years ago what was going to happen with Bottoms Up, the need for her to be here, to, to, to be a custodian of her. It's like now I've birthed her and now it's time for her to do a thing. So now all of these other things are coming in, other opportunities, if you like, coming into play. Other people are seeing her as, as she is. And, you know, that's interesting in itself. But what that has done, it's like, again, it's like a mother when, you know, I remember when my son left and, and that was quite a moment for me because, I had been caring for children since I was 12, really. I used to look after all my nephews and nieces. I had about a dozen of them. I had my first baby at 16, so I was constantly looking after people. I looked after my dad. I looked after my mum. My mum come and live with me for a long time. So I was always looking after people. So then comes a day of 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 no one there to look after. My mum had passed. My son had left school, and he was doing his own thing. And, and I was like, wow. Who who am I now? Who am I now? So this has been my my journey, you know. Like I'm trying to find labels, and this is, I guess, my my insight is that I've been trying to find labels. I remember when I was 20, and also trying to find my label. I was I was Melissa's mum. I was someone's mum from when I was 16. And then when I started and left, so I became then a social worker and I was a social worker and that was my label. I, that gave me a, a form to be in. And then when I left that before I got into Bottoms Up, I was like, well, what am I now? Who am I? And then it was like making this form of Bottoms Up and and that's been my form and and now that's gone as well because Bottoms Up now is growing up. She needs to go do a journey. And what am I? Like who, who, whose back is this whole Susie Murray, hurrah, Wilson, who is she? And that takes us, you know, that's an interesting contemplation. That is the radical consciousness. And and I know I can hear those of you out there that maybe follow Muji or, or another um, guru out there that talk about, well, we are, you know, I am. That's, that's it. You know, I am. And, and those are all labels. They're all stories that I've had around to make sense of my life. But they've also been the vehicles of my life. So I honour those vehicles because those vehicles have got me from A to B to C to D to Z, you know. So I think knowing what vehicle you're in right now to understand where you're going and how you want to move forward is quite empowering and that's a place of deep contemplation. That's a place of radical consciousness because sometimes we start to investigate this vehicle that we're sitting in with and there's parts of us that we don't like. There's parts of it we think, oh, wait there. Nah, I don't like that bit of that vehicle. Oh, that's a bit rusty over there. I need to take that rust off. Or I can't see through that windscreen. I need to clean that windscreen. Or, you know, the locks actually don't work on these doors. I need to fix those locks so I can actually close the door when I need to and lock it and keep my boundaries strong. So the the months of contemplation of this stillness of of again remembering the trust you know, what is the trust that I have to sit in this faith and this stillness and go this next stage for me and go and, al- and allow this next stage for bottoms up as we allow the stages for our children to grow and to fly and find their wings um, when they're ready to move on. So, you know, I guess when I look at it, like a month of stillness for me, really without much inspiration, um, it wasn't at that time. It wasn't, I wasn't even feeling inspired by myself. So what is it? How do we move forward? And then looking at the physically, what goes on for me because um, of the journey that I've been on and now other um, little issues coming up, um, 
nothing serious that can't be dealt with, but it is, again, showing me, okay, well, where do I want to go next? Where do I want to journey? What is my next journey? And how, and if indeed any form is needed, what is the form around Susie Marahu Ra Wilson? What is her form? Does she need a form? Is she more like water now? Does she flow in and out? Is that the journey? Is that the journey and the journey in that stillness? Like when we go through the streams, um, we come through moments where it's a lot deeper and it's a lot slower, the flow. So we sit in that deepness, in that stillness, and we get from that what we need to get from that until we're ready to move on down that river again and we start to, you know, guide our way over the stones and manoeuvre our way around the bends, finding different things that we're going to pick up along the way for this next level of healing that we're going to do. Looking for this place of feeling safe, of feeling secure, because I think that and, and, and we get caught up in thinking that that's external, that's been my journey. I have had that whole like, well, I think a part of my journey really has been about me trying to prove to my family that I wasn't going to be just a no hope, a useless person because I fell pregnant at 16. Um, and, you know, it, it's like I had to, for some reason, I made a decision in my mind way back then when I was 16 that I was, I'd prove people wrong. And that that memory didn't come up until many years later until it was like, oh, okay, I probably don't need to prove anyone wrong. That's not the way to be going. But I wanted to try and in that, trying to find places all the time of security because when you've also come from a background where your life, as you know, it has just been ripped out of you, which happened to me a few times very early on in my life. So the ground was quicksand and I've walked on quicksand for most of my life looking for that security. And it's only now that I look back um, in the last couple of years and, you know, it's for someone that was never religious or spiritual and still not, I wouldn't call myself a religious person, but spiritual person, and I wouldn't have even said that, I was that, you know. But now it's like, wow, you know, I have had faith because what else? Otherwise it would just be stupid naivety and maybe I had that. I actually do think that sort of got me through some places because I really am one of those little souls that come onto this earth and I really did believe the best in everyone. I really would only see people's good points. I really did. And I and and when I would see people being mean, it would actually hurt me very deeply within my heart, very, very deeply. And it still does. If I see people making other people um, be in pain, it's like, why do we want to do that? Like, how does that make sense? So that's still something that I carry deep within me. I I. I I, I see the potential and that does leave you open, right? For 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 hurt. So you 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 traveling along this journey of of and then wanting to try and find this safety, this feeling secure and 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 many of us will do that as I was, trying to find that in a in a material structure. We were trying to find that in a home or in a relationship or in a family. We wanted that rock. We wanted that place of solidarity, whether we found that in someone that we wanted to have close to us or whether we found that in a home or with stuff, people that buy lots of stuff. And it's only now again in and 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 in the last couple of years it was like okay I, I need to I need to find security again. I need to find safety um because I had been moving so much in these years. 
But now it's like, well, no, because Sue, like that actually comes from inside. This is where I have to come back and this is my radical consciousness of really my real sense of safety, my real sense of security can only come within. And I'm probably, to be honest, a long way from that because if I was to go and lie in the street tonight and lie down and go to sleep and, and have, have to sleep on the street, there would be certainly elements of me that wouldn't feel safe there. I would be in my what I know I've been before in the past, I'd be in that hypervigilant state that making sure that I was going to be safe. And that's not a good place to live. That how how do we move forward if we're constantly in that place of hypervigilance, of non-safety? And I'm only talking about my memories. Imagine our ancestral memories um, and our intergenerational trauma that comes in there. So it is about having that sense as well when we sit in this deepness, in this stillness and in this consciousness because it's really when I guess I'm trying to take you down this journey to for you to start to experience somewhere within your body that we have to find this deepness and stillness to find the true healing. And and I do believe we do have to. We can say, you know, and, and, and that can be joyful. I'm not saying we have to be sitting in wound and, and trauma because I think re-traumatizing ourselves is not useful. You know, bringing bringing up old traumas to 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 work through them again. To what end? To what end? And what are we working through anyway? Like if it was twenty years ago, now we're working through a memory. We're not even working through the actual trauma. We're working through the memory of that trauma and all those filters that have come from that. So how do we then hop in now? How do we hop in this stillness of now? And I want you to come into that stillness and feel that stillness and and in that deep vastness of, of even thinking about yourself as a fetus in a womb in that in that complete sense of security, supposing when you're in fetus in the pregnancy was secure, but in that womb of the earth mother, in that earth, womb of the earth mother, that deep water that's within her, where a seed inside of her, and we start to, at that point, when we go in and we're a seed inside of the, the core of Earth Mother, covered with fluid, surrounded by fluid, that we find this sense of, of faith, of safety, of security. We know that's within. We know that's within. Nothing out in this external world can give us that. It may give us the illusion of that. It may give us a sense of that, but it doesn't give us that, that true sense of peace, that true sense of of peace where the peace that pervades every cell in our body, peace that allows one of those trillion cells to go, ah, to relax, to become full and embodied with the energy, with the light source that comes through. That's the peace that I'm talking about the peace that you can sink deeply into as if you were in the ocean and the waves coming in and your, and your feet sinking deeper and deeper into the sand as the waves come and wash that sand away and you start to disappear into that sand. So becoming that one with that ocean, that peacefulness, that feeling of safety, of security, of remembering and knowing and wisdom. And knowing that our external world is always going to work at pulling us away from that. Our ego is always going to work at putting us into a doing place where, in fact, we want to sit in the place of stillness, 
because at that when we are creators because or visionaries because it's in that place of deepness and stillness that we start to see things we start to feel things and unfortunately or fortunately or or, or either many people don't like to sit there we don't like to sit there we like to get busy we like to move we like to do something we like to be occupied actually just sitting still with nothing which is everything that's a skill set that's a skill set that we can come very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable for yourself and even for people that might surround you because you're not giving them any leads on how to respond. So now they have to take responsibility for their own feelings, their life, their decisions. They have to take ownership because you're actually sitting in this sovereignty, in this stillness of self, in this peacefulness understanding that one of your trillion cells belongs to many, that through that energy force within your body you are connected to all, that through that energy source in the body you have got the abundance of of creation. But we have to sit in this deep water of stillness. We have to let her pervade us, to, to surround us, to become us, to become within us, to become us to know that this vehicle that I'm carrying, this body's wisdom is allowing my spirit's journey to flow. But maybe this vehicle changes. Maybe this is not always the same vehicle. Maybe sometimes it's a car. Maybe sometimes it's a boat. Maybe sometimes it's a plane. Maybe sometimes it's a mountain. Maybe sometimes it's a waterfall. Maybe sometimes it's a pond. Pond giving life to a lotus upon giving life to new ideas and vibrancies and love and and light in the world. So, dear listeners, I think I'm going to leave it at that. I invite you to sit maybe in some contemplation with maybe some of those words, if any, resonated with you, and to come back to that, to contemplate your body's wisdom, to contemplate your spirit's journey so that you can start to think about navigating your change from a place of peace. Thank you, beautiful listeners, for listening today. And I can't wait to spend this year with you navigating our journey of health, connection, happiness, and love. May you feel your feet on the earth, the sun on your face, and the love in your heart. Before we go, if you want more information on radical consciousness and cleansing, head to our website, bottomsupcolonics.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe or follow, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast as this will help others find us and also let you know when the next episode is published. You can also connect with us on our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Bottoms Up Colonics. Until next time, I'm Susie Wilson. Thanks for listening to Radical Consciousness and Cleansing.